take your bulletin inserts out for a teaching outline today. For some of you, it may look like a dissertation, <laughs> but uh, it's actually, I think, a good enough one to keep and uh, to possibly share with someone you know who's having a difficulty forgiving. <clears throat> I, I went back over some notes of sermons I've preached, and I would mention forgiveness uh, once in a while, but today it's going to be the whole sermon. So... Uh, I, <clears throat> if you don't have anyone you need to forgive, uh, you can pray for someone else who does. <laughs> so the, um, I've, I have a tenderness for those who are wounded recently in your life. And so it is possible to forgive too soon. Uh, I think I might have shared that before. Because... One reason we forgive is because we don't we want the pain to stop. We'll do anything to stop the pain of the of the wounding or the injustice or whatever it is. So, and that of course you I mean it's not like making a mistake, but it doesn't have the same. When forgiveness comes, uh, and when we're ready to be present to what happened to us, it's a much deeper kind of forgiveness, and uh, and has much more experiencing of God's grace in it. So um, I, I have a, a confession that I wrote this sermon to help me forgive some people I'm going to be with tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I've talked about them before with you, but it's the flight attendants on the Norwegian Airlines. And I'm flying, my family, we're flying to Norway tonight, we, out of LAX. And so uh, after I, I've talked about them a number of times with Judy, and the last time she said, Joe, you need to get some prayer for healing. And I said, well, I've forgiven them. So uh, if, if you haven't heard this, the flight attendants on Norwegian Airlines are not Norwegian. I mean, if you get on British Airways, they're going to be from England, and if you get on SIS, they're going to be Swedish. But so that, that was the first adjustment. But I, anyway, so I don't want to talk about them anymore other than I, I have forgiven them, I think. And I've actually... <laughs> it, was, it was like being served by robots. And, and so I, don't, I may not do this time, but last year when I was going to Norway, I had a fun seeing how many people I could get to smile. And it was easy until I got in the airlines. <laughs> uh, C.S. Lewis has a great quote. Everyone thinks forgiveness is lovely. That's kind of British. That's such a lovely idea until we have something to forgive. And so another quote that I th seemed to fit for this teaching today as a, a David Cassidy quote. The last thing he said before he died. Now, did you watch Partridge Family? Some of you. So, so his daughter shared this. The last thing my dad said to me was, I don't know if you heard this before, was so much time wasted. And that seemed to fit for unforgiveness. Really, it is a waste of time, isn't it? When you think about unforgiveness. So hopefully I'll help you 
uh, move through some of this journey today and maybe give you some new insights. The first scripture in your notes, it's be kind to each other, tender-hearted, graciously forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has graciously forgiven you. And you notice the, the one another passages in the Bible, one another, both Colossians and in Ephesians talks about forgiving one another. And the, so when we're talking about there's a mutuality with forgiveness, it's like we receive it and give it. It's pretty hard to forgive um, if you've never received forgiveness. My knee is not doing so well, so I'm going to sit up here a little bit. Um, and receiving forgiveness, of course, is the kind of love that we need. To, so being loved by Jesus and forgiving us is what we count on to help us forgive. I would certainly, I don't know how I would forgive if I've never been forgiven. It's like a face of grace. Recently I've been focusing, who are the faces of grace in my life? Just close your eyes for a minute and just do, try that. Ask Jesus to help you to find a face of grace in your life. That would be a grace of love, a grace of God's someone delighting in you, <clears throat> believing that you are special, a face of grace. And just thank God for that person. Amen. Anybody want to say out loud who your who the face of grace is for you? Christine. Christine. Who was it? Sean. Sean? Your father. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. Okay, so those faces of grace uh, enable us to forgive. Um, I think my favorite forgiveness story in the Bible is Joseph, because he had a good name. But you remember the story of what his brothers threw him into? What they? They were pretty ticked off at him because his dad really liked him more than them, and and I think they threw him in a well. And Reuben went and found him, and uh, then sold him. And then he had some. He had a lot of people to forgive. Potter's wife, you know, lied about him. That he tried to rape her or whatever, come after her. And so he had a lot of forgiving to do, but mainly it was brothers. And so what was touching for me in that whole story of forgiveness for Joseph when he gets his brothers back and they're in another room and he's thinking about, they haven't seen him yet. They don't even know he's like the Potiphar's right-hand man, the person. And he weeps, he's weeping. A lot of tears would go with his... Uh, a healing, and I think, I think, and so for me, tears are important. I think can be important a part of grieving the loss, a, a part of preparing our hearts to forgive. 
So it's a way of relief for me tears about releasing the pain. And so <clears throat> I've given some definitions of what forgiveness is in your notes. And I'll, I'll read them, some of them. Uh, forgiveness is releasing or giving to God the job of judging the wrongdoing and letting God carry the weight of what has been done to you. Surrendering to God the right to get justice. You are not abandoning justice when you forgive. You're not saying, well, there's no justice here if I forgive, but we're giving God that, surrendering that. God will make sure that justice is done. Now you might still think, God might, he's going to be too nice to them. <laughs> so, but justice would be that somehow, in some way, God will say, this was so wrong what you did. And, and you need get, and you, know, you need forgiveness. Uh, forgiveness is turning the debt you are owed over to God's collection agency. Canceling a debt. Have you ever forgiven a debt? Someone that owes you? It's kind of, it can be an interesting experience. Experience to see how God releases things for you maybe when you forgive a debt. Not necessarily even telling the person. You know what the debt is. But have something happens in us and something happens in the kingdom when we forgive. Jesus forgave unilaterally. Remember on the cross? He said, Father, forgive them for what? They don't know what they're doing. Nobody had repented. Nobody had asked for forgiveness. He's choosing to forgive. And, and we'll look at that. Forgiveness does not, you know, forgiveness does not mean that we got to meet certain demands before we will forgive. Because there may be unilateral forgiveness like Jesus. <laughs> This, this picture of Jesus on the cross, I, I laugh when I think about the story. It's a true story. When I first started pastoring in the White Mountains, um, there was a new believer that came in, and I was in my office, and he was really, really angry with his wife and had divorced her. And, um, and so I'm thinking, oh, I'll, I'll use the story of Jesus. Well, let's meditate on, think about Jesus dying on the cross. <laughs> and he didn't know anything about that. And, 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 and I was thinking about things, saying, Father, forgive them. And so I said, look at Jesus. Ask, and how does Jesus <laughs> feel towards your ex-wife? Because he wanted to, he would like to kill her. He was pretty angry. <laughs> and he said, <laughs> Jesus wants to kill her too. <laughs> so so I, I X that idea off as future inter interventions. Uh, forgiving is letting go of my right to get even, uh, to get revenge, to punish, letting go of resentments. And then this is really a good one. Releasing what happens next to God. Hamlet's father's ghost does not want Hamlet to seek revenge on Gertrude, so he tells him, leave her to heaven. In other words, release her to God by forgiving her. Place her in God's hands. And that's like leaving a person to heaven. So I want to do a little role play how what it means to release someone in, to God. And so I need a couple of people to help me. And who, who do you think I need God and somebody that I won't forgive? So who, who would you volunteer to be God? You don't have to say anything. You want to poke someone, you be God?
Okay, Danny, you got selected. <laughs> No. And Brett, I want to be, you would be the person. <laughs> Over here, you don't have to say anything either. Oh, I don't have to say anything? Yeah. So you come here and notice now where, where I'm standing and Brett and where God is. Right? So come a little closer. So you, oh, I just want to grab your hand, okay. So, um, Let's see. You stepped on my toe, and it really hurt, mm -hmm. and asked for forgiveness. And I said, no way. So I won't try to get free from my hand. No, not the <laughs> <laughs> So I'm not letting go okay. what you did. That's on, holding on and not releasing him. But notice who's between, you know, it's where I'm. I'm between Brett and God. So my unforgiveness, that's what often keeps people from connecting to God because I'm holding on to him, won't let go. So forgiveness would be, put out your hand, God. Would you take care of my friend and kill him? No. <laughs> <laughs> Only the best. <laughs> Let's give him a hand. Thank you. I've never said that, Brett, to, any, to God ever before in my life. Okay, then one last quote. Forgiveness is like the air in our lungs. There's only room for us to inhale the next lungful when we've breathed out the previous one. So it's like we can't inhale forgiveness until we've exhaled on forgiveness. When we insist on withholding forgiveness, we refuse to give the kiss of life that the other person may desperately need, the Pramenti right. So <clears throat> the, um, the second point, what forgiveness is not, forgiveness does not mean, these are some things I think that you'll say, yeah, yeah, that fits, I've thought about that. that thing, these are things that can keep us, get in the way of forgiving because we have some misunderstanding or what forgiveness is or what forgiveness means. First one, forgiveness does not mean we will stop hurting. No, I suppose we might, but it's not guaranteed. We may still be living with the consequences of the wrongdoing. Especially if it's when we go through certain kinds of suffering and being sinned against, there's huge consequences because of what has been done to us. Divorce, an affair, betray, any kind of betrayal. And you think about the consequences of divorce, you know, without judging who is right or wrong, there, every day with the children, you're seeing some consequences. And with an affair, it's, that's one of the toughest things to forgive. And that betrayal, it just, it, just, it just goes really deep. And being lied to, I think, is a, it goes with betrayal, but in other words, there are consequences that I may experience a year from now for something that happened two years ago. And so I will need to forgive the consequences of the, as well as the wrongdoing. Doesn't mean that we will forget. There, I mean, it doesn't, there, are kind of, there are two kinds of forgiving. I'm just going to forget about it. That would be one way. Another forgetting would be, well, if I forgive, that means I have to forget what happened. And no, not true. Does not mean I forget what happened. If someone kicks you in the knee, 
some good idea if you remember who that person was or what the wrongdoing was or how trustworthy they are as a person. God forgets our sins, but when we, in some ways, we don't forget because of the importance of boundaries and other things. Does not mean that forgiveness and healing are the same thing. Forgiveness does not equal healing. So if someone backed his truck over your leg and smashed your leg up really bad, see, you're on crutches, and, and someone came up to you and said, well, just forgive the truck driver and you'll be healed. Probably not. So you don't get automatic healing just because you forgive. Forgiveness does not mean you pretend that it didn't hurt or that nothing happened or saying it's not important. One way we survive suffering and pain and hurtful things is to pretend it didn't hurt. There's a book called The Pain of Pretending. And often we, make a, we can make a vow, I have to pretend it doesn't hurt, just to survive. Forgiveness does not mean understanding why this happened or excusing the person's behavior. There is no excuse for what we're forgiving. The person is, is not innocent, the person is guilty. So if they were not guilty, it would need to forgive them. Sometimes forgiveness may mean I give up my right to understand why. Forgiveness is not, does not mean saying the offense is of no importance. It's saying I'm of no importance. It's not mean I'm, I have to trust the person again. Commitment to, it is not, does not mean I'm making a commitment to relate in the future. Trust is earned by being trustworthy. Forgiveness does not mean we may not set boundaries, demanding changes before we forgive. The person many times will not ever ask for forgiveness. And so if I'm waiting for that person to ask forgiveness, then I, that when I would keep myself um, holding on to unforgiveness. does not mean denying our feelings of anger and wanting justice. The purpose that God gave anger was to get justice. That's a justice gene. I want justice. If you haven't met anybody with that gene recently, just spent some time with teenagers because they they've got a justice gene often. Believing does not mean believing is okay with God that it happened. Believing that I may not tell God or the other person how angry I am. Believing I will feel better after forgiving. There's a story of Corey Tenboom, and she's written up in the book The Hiding Place. Anybody familiar with that? It's a really good movie. It's available on Amazon Prime. If you haven't seen it yet, The Hiding Place. And Corrie Ten Boom and her sister Betsy and her father were taken out of Holland to go to a concentration camp. And Betsy's their sister died and her father died. Corrie Ten Boom's father died and she made it out. And um, after she was released in those years following World War II, she went around teaching about forgiveness. And one of her teachings, I think it was in Germany, she had just taught about forgiveness and up down the aisle walks a man, and she recognizes him as the guard in the prison where her sister had been killed. And this guard, ex-guard, puts his hand out, says, Fräulein, I ask for your forgiveness. And she said, she had, when she at first went, oh, 
uh, I mean, it just went, how can I ever do this? And then what happened, she said, is when she extended her arm, it was like a huge wave of God's presence or love or warmth came right out of her arm into her hand, and, and as she said, I forgive you. So she didn't have the emotion ahead of time, but as she spoke, she extended her arm. That's when the, the grace came to do it. Jesus said to a man with a weather, withered hand, stretch out your arm and you'll be healed. And you can say, thanks, Jesus. It's withered. You know. But something about in the action, putting in, putting out her hand, his hand, he was healed. And that's kind of like forgiveness. And you say, I don't think I can do that. Well, just do it and you will. I don't think I can forgive. Well, just go ahead and do it. I told that to a client yesterday. She has been really head of her heels dug in, and I've never done with this before. I forgot what we were in the midst of, but I said, said just do it. And it, and it worked. <laughs> she did it. So that's a good, kind of a good phrase. Just do it. Just forgive. Not waiting. In other words, I'm not going to wait until the right time, until I'm ready, until everything's all whatever, been processed. So there come maybe a time you, you're ready to just do it. Um, we do, does not mean we do not consider consequences for the wrongdoing. <clears throat> Turn the page over. My father died, as you know, when I was seven, and part of my healing for that was to forgive my dad for dying. I mean, actually, in, a, in healing prayer, it was like releasing him to God. And now, obviously, he didn't do it on purpose. But somehow, when I say, I'll forgive you for leaving me, it was, a, it was a healing experience to do that. I was never angry with God, but I just somehow saying that to my dad helped me release him to, the, to God. Number three, steps for apologizing and asking for forgiveness. We have this book, The Five Languages of, languages of Apology. Anybody read that? How many have read The five, five Love Languages? You know, that's been out a long time ago, so that's a good old, There are five languages that we have, and we all speak different love languages. And they're all good ones, so it can be multilingual. Remember what they are? Touch, affirmation acts of service or kindness, deep conversations, and words of affirmation. Those are love languages. So and these authors say they're also languages of apology. In other words, when we're talking about forgiveness, there's some things that we can do that will help a person to forgive in our marriage. And, 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 and um, I mean, and, as an act of kindness and grace, but also to help them forgive us. And how? And these are five steps in apologizing. I think all are helpful. The authors would say, well, one of those is your apology language. But I think all five are. I would say they're all five helpful. So if I'm, I've got something that I've done and that I need forgiveness for. The first one would be to say, I'm sorry. Now, I'm sorry alone, especially, you know, if you're living with somebody who's abusive and, and 
And you know that next day they're going to say they're sorry. It doesn't mean anything. So I'm sorry means some way I'm going to convey to you I want to share your pain. I, I didn't know that what I said would be so hurtful. I'm so sorry. I didn't realize how, how unkind I had have been to you. And so I'm, in some ways, I'm going to share in the pain I've caused. A narcissist never shares pain. You know, you want to know if you've got a narcissist in your life, that one sign is that they never share pain. Don't do pain. Don't do shame. So it's a big, it's a big gift that you can do shame. I mean, share pain. The next, I'm sorry, I, and the responsibility, I was wrong. Different ways I can say I was wrong. I, was act, I wasn't acting like my best self. I stopped you from being glad to be with me. That's the emotion of shame. When I look over my sermons the last few years, I realize I've repeated myself <laughs> quite a bit. So, so I don't remember all my sermons, so you probably don't either. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm okay there. Making restitution. What can I do to make it right? If you've been through 12 steps, that's eight, steps 8 and 9 to make amends. You reflect on what do I do where I've hurt someone and I want to make restitution. That's all. And we go to that person and say, I want to make amends for when I was drunk, I did this and this. The th fourth, repent. I'm committed to change and to do this differently with attachment love. And Judy and I would have some intense discussions. We Sometimes we would start with, I ask for forgiveness, even before we talked about it. But what we're saying there is that we're, not, we're, not, we're, we're committed to talk about this so that we will get to the place where we will be reconciled in and committed to forgive and do, do it differently. And in marriage counseling, sometimes I will talk to a couple. I say, well, now, we're not going to bring up anything that we're not willing to take responsibility for or what we've done. And so it's not just a place to blame the other person. And then the request, I ask for forgiveness. And it helps if you can be specific, name wrongdoing. I want to be your friend. When you, how many of you heard your father ask, ask for forgiveness? Would you raise your hand if your dad ever asked for forgiveness? One, two, three, four, five. How many of you heard your, oh, six. How many heard your mother ask for forgiveness? More? So, you, and that's different than just saying, I'm sorry and I apologize. And if, if you're, Maybe you probably you may have taught this to your children. Okay, we, you want to, you got to go say I'm mean, you're sorry to your brother, apologize, and there's a step more you can say, and then ask for forgiveness. You hear the you hear the difference? Just saying I'm sorry, asking for forgiveness is a deeper um, experience. Um, I got to lighten up here a little bit, I think. <laughs> so, 
Anybody have a question or a comment at this point? Before I keep going? <laughs> That's a good one. There, okay, let's keep going. Our skills, habits, and practices which enable me to stay in a relational mode and strengthen my emotional capacity. Keeping relational is how we stay connected to God. I, I put in this point because if you're really jo low joy strength and you're just keeping your head above water, it wouldn't be the, I, I would say that it's, let's not go, it's not time to go right after forgiveness. Let's just get some of your own strength be built up and, and feeling like some of that confidence, get back to your confidence and, and your sense of worth um, before we take on forgiveness. And, and, and I've used this acronym as much as anything in counseling. It's acrostic games or acronym. And it's a way to build your joy strength, a way to increase emotional capacity. And the G stands for gratitude or appreciation. That's like having, looking for a face of grace. Who would be that face of grace? What do you appreciate about them? And um, thinking and appreciation is so important that it's the absolute best thing ever you can do for your brain. We have neural pathways in our brain, but it takes 30 days of doing something every day and being what's happening in your body when you do it with appreciation before it becomes a habit. And the habit of appreciation is so good. And, and it's so good that you, so when it becomes a habit, it means, oh, gotta rem I have to remind myself to think of something to appreciate. It just happens. But a habit, in terms of what in your brain, that neural pathway, it goes 200 times faster than other thoughts in your, in your mind. It's, it's like, it's, you're, before you know it, you've done it. I mean, that's like putting on, I think I thought, you know, you got some habits in your life. The, you've, you can be doing two things, multitasking. But a habit would be something you do without planning to it, reminding yourself, and that would be the habit of appreciation and gratitude. <laughs> I was talking to Judy a little while back, and I said, you know, I don't think I was, I'm, you know, getting older, I'm not as good at multitasking. Did I tell you what her answer was? You were never that good at it. <laughs> A little denial there. Uh, anticipation would be the A. I, I think about something today that you're joyful. Now, thinking about the joy coming. Memories, fun memories in the past. And then we have entertainment, eating together with others, eye contact. God, as I shared with you before, God created food to get us attached to God, to him. And what happens is that because of our cravings and lack of joy and dopamine in our life, we get attached to the food instead of to God. So food, however, is like today we have communion, attachment to God through Holy Communion, I think I talked about that before. But and then singing worship songs, which unite the left and the right brain. Okay, so those are things that can help you increase capacity for, for forgiving. This is, a, this is a review of how we pray Emmanuel Prayer. 
and provide a way to forgive from our heart. We always begin Emmanuel prayer by thinking of a positive memory. And so we're not starting with the trauma. We're not starting with how much it hurts. We're not starting with feeling of being betrayed, the wrongdoing. We don't begin the healing prayer with, with the trauma. We begin with a positive memory where we have a connection to God. And out of that grateful place, then God can go with us to the place where we need healing. And so, and then what you do then from that positive memory, as Jesus to take you to a hurtful memory where you were sinned against, pray this prayer. This experiment, would you pray this prayer out loud with me, out loud with me where it says, I open my heart? I open my heart to you, Jesus. Help me to notice where you are. That's a good ongoing prayer. Help me to notice where you are here today in this room. Where are you, Jesus? Well, he's here. <laughs> Sometimes you just know he's here without seeing him specifically, but you're present with Jesus. He's, he can start talking to him, even though you may not imagine him. Then we explore, we talk to Jesus, tell him how, what happened, how much it hurt. It's important to tell Jesus, even that I really want that person to feel as much pain as I did and I do. Things like that, I tell Jesus. And then I listen for Jesus' response. What do you want me to know or give to me? And then you respond with gratitude to Jesus. Then you ask Jesus, Is it, have I closed my heart to this person? And yesterday I had another client in serious depression. I, we found, asked some questions to help her realize when, when it began when she was 10 years old. I said, when did it start? And we're doing a memory when she's 10 years old. And, and I asked her, did you close your heart to your mom? She said, yes, right away. And then she was so surprised. She didn't even know she had closed her heart to her mom. And so, uh, and when we pray that prayer, I open my heart to you, Jesus, we may think, well, I didn't even know I'm, was, I wasn't open to it. So when we pray, it helps us to realize. Um, uh, where did I, okay, there I am. Not then. We give thy anger so unforgiveness to Jesus. Oh, I do want to say one thing about unforgiveness. Unforgiveness gives permission to demonic spirits to have influence in our life. Um, that's real important. And their unforgiveness can become a stronghold. We see, there's something that keeps me from forgiving, and it may be because. Spirit of darkness, however you identify it, uh, is attached to that vow, I will never forgive. Or, um, and so um, you may need to renounce the devil and all his works and all his ways, like you do at baptism. There's a parable about that, and a guy that was, you know, he was forgiven a what, he was forgiven a $10 million debt, and he went to the king forgave him of this $10 million debt, and he went out and he found somebody that owed him $12. 
and he refused to forgive. And the king hands him over to the tormentors. And that would be unforgiveness. Oh, gives permission for um, demonic or powers of darkness to uh, need to be broken. So we listen for Jesus' response. Oh, I did that. Oh, and these other steps. Um, receive God's mercy and forgiveness for yourself. Sometimes we need to forgive ourselves. We give to Jesus the job of judging and the right to be angry. We ask Jesus to help us see the person as he sees the person. One of the reasons uh, to or things that help me, uh, sometimes it's not unforgiveness. It's just that I... Um, I sometimes put people, I go into the enemy mode with people, and that is I get stuck. I, there's something that I'm missing in the relationship or they're not doing the, that hurts, or I'm, and I, they become my enemy. And so I, to get out of the enemy mode, I need to do like the acronym, have games, but actually just sometimes naming it helps. So if you want to find out who's in your enemy mode, and they post something on Facebook, and you don't want to click like. <laughs> Actually, that's me. <laughs> and this is not a big deal, but I miss this person in some ways. That I think um, there's not been the closeness. I mean, and and and, and for different reasons. And so I see him moving close to other people. And that that one's attachment pain when some when you're losing something that you had before. And so just to name it, oh, Joe, you got him in the enemy mode. He's not your enemy. And it helped me turn my relational circuits on. So you can have somebody in the enemy mode, however, it might be more serious, where you need to forgive. But helping, asking Jesus to help me see the person as he sees the person really is a, really good. And here, then finally, ask, speak a blessing to the person. I bless you, whatever their name is, in Jesus' name, that you will know how much God loves you. Jesus said, bless those who persecute you. So blessing is probably one of the most fun things we get to do. And it's a habit I have, blessing people in different ways. When I speak blessings, I, of course, I get to do the benediction but blessing people who have hurt us, uh, who are forgiving, is a, a, a really good step to really have closure and release them to God. Okay. Any questions or comments? Anybody had, have, you had, have any of you had difficulty forgiving yourself? That was a tough one. Um, I think some of that has to do with regrets. Maybe for me, it would be shame. I've done something to stop them from being glad to be with me. But that would be, you could go this process with Jesus. Jesus, what keeps me from forgiving myself? And I need your help. Help me, Jesus, to forgive myself. And I don't want to be my judge. I give that. I just surrender to you, Jesus. 
Uh, okay, I'm going to lead you through a little prayer. Let's pray. So, Holy Spirit, I thank you for the ways that you have forgive, shown me your love and uh, Jesus' forgiveness. And <clears throat> so glad for the graces of and the faces of grace in our life of these people who, who are, know us and love us and forgive us when we need forgiveness. I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd bring up someone today that I maybe, if I might show me if there's anyone I have in the enemy mode in my life that I'm stuck, I don't really want to listen to them or be with them or I'm easily feeling critical or judging of them. And for some of you, this may be too soon, so I would just uh, just enjoy thanking Jesus for his forgiveness. So um, I want to make sure that you're not overwhelmed with this idea. But I do want to apologize to you, and just for those of you who have been betrayed, in any way, you have something happen in your life that that person will never apologize. And I want to apologize on behalf of them and say, I am so sorry for what was done to you. And I apologize. And I want to just say it's not your fault. And I ask for forgiveness. And then uh, just have one a couple more. Would you ask Jesus to help you see someone like you see them? And a, it could be a friend. Uh, who you'd still struggle with or or anybody in your life, Jesus, be specific. Lord, I want to, and I did this with the flight attendants and Norwegian Airlines. Lord, I want to see what you see in these people and what they go through and what, and not see them as enemies. So if you have Jesus helping you see somebody see, and even have Jesus helping you to see myself when I have trouble forgiving myself. How do you see me, Lord? Help me to love myself and experience your grace. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.